Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. First pitch swinging. Simeon hits it down the line. If that's fair, it's gone! pitch of the game and Simeon puts the Rangers in front. What a great way to start the week. A home run call. Home run calls are the best. That one, Dave Raymond calling Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon, of course, the Texas Rangers. Everyone thought the Rangers were dead. No, they're not dead yet. They've won two in a row. They've resurfaced. A half game back of Seattle in the wild card. A game back of the Blue Jays. Yep. The Rangers have made it interesting just when you thought they were going to make it very uninteresting. Speaking of interesting, we got plenty of stuff going on in baseball heading into this week, coming off the weekend. Obviously, we have some of the news, which includes the Braves locking up the playoff berth, the Yankees losing Jason Dominguez, their potential future star with an ACL injury. That's sad. We're looking forward to seeing him play. And the Yankees winning in 13 innings after being no hit into the 11th. That was crazy. Well, I want everybody to rate, review, subscribe. I want everybody to go to the socials at BB isn't boring, at BB isn't boring. They're growing like wildfire, thanks to producer Evan. And I want everybody to just enjoy the great game of baseball. And that's exactly what you're gonna, we're going to help you do today and this week. Today, we're doing it via an awesome interview. An awesome interview. And that's with Steve Wynn and Lenny DiNardo. Okay. Steve Wynn is a rock and roll legend. Led the band Dream Syndicate along with having a stellar solo career and was responsible with REM's Scott McCoy of starting the baseball project, the band, the baseball project. And that came about during REM's 2007 rock and roll induction hall of fame induction in 2000, like I said, in 2007, but they got together and then they got Peter Buck also of REM and Linda Pittman to join this super group 
I love when you have a super group and it involves baseball. I mean, what's better? Nothing. The baseball project has been going on now for, if my math serves me correctly, 16 years. 16 years the baseball project has been going on and they've never been better. They were just on tour. Their, their anthems are all over the place. They are doing what we hope to do on a daily basis, which is spread the word. And that's why it was so great to have Steve Wynn on the podcast to talk about the merging of music and baseball, the, the merging of the baseball project and baseballs and boring. And a huge, huge addition to this podcast is Lenny DiNardo. Lenny is an analyst for Red Sox game for Nesson. He had a major league career as a pitcher for Red Sox, A's, and Royals. And he is one of the most proficient music aficionados of any baseball player I've ever known. He is the guy to turn to when it comes to having these sort of conversations. So the merging of Steve, of Lenny, and the whole baseball project and baseballs and boring families, I think is gold. I think you're going to enjoy this. So sit back, relax, enjoy this one. It's a great way to kick in, start into your week. I think we're gonna we're gonna have a great week. We're gonna have an absolutely awesome week. Had an awesome weekend. Had an awesome week last week. It's been an awesome season. Now we're getting close to the playoffs. But this is a good good way to remind everybody about just how awesome everything is when it comes to the world of music, when it comes to the ba- world of baseball, and it comes to the world of people actually diving into that fandom and diving into that passion. All right, here you go. Steve Wynn, Letty DiNardo, myself, The Baseball Project. All right. I am honored, absolutely honored to have on Steve Wynn, The Baseball Project. Anything with baseball. Can you hear me? Oh, there you go. Anything with baseball in the name is good. And, uh, and, and, And Lenny DiNardo is here. I mean, this is like the gift. This is my gift today. Thank you guys for joining. It's so awesome. See, Lenny, it's a gift for me, too. (laughs) So good to be with you. Well, okay. So I'm going to ask each of you the question which I've asked the commissioner, general managers, players, everybody. And I'll start with you, Steve. No wrong answers. Why isn't baseball boring? Why isn't baseball boring? Well, God, let me give you 5,000 reasons. And, and this is from a guy who's never played the game. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a great sport because it, it appeals to not only fans of sports and people who enjoy competition, but it's also it's a metaphor for everything great in life. The, throughout the history of baseball, you can, you can, you can make an entire um, timeline of the history of the U.S. over the last – 150 plus years just by looking at baseball you can make analogies to things we've all experienced as a country as people as families as artists as writers it's all there it is on top of everything as i said i talk about this all the time um as, as a songwriter i'm in a band that writes songs about baseball because baseball is more than any other team sport a game of the individual it's man on man it is despite of course you got to rely on your teammates and i feel pretentious talking about this in the presence of a major league ball player with World Series rings, but <laughs> it, it is a game where 
you can excel and shine it's regardless of the players around you to some extent it is high noon it is gary cooper at noon in the gunfight it's all those things and that's why it's not boring oh man letty letty i'm sorry that you have to follow that that is that was i i tell you what steve you know i i had always held up eduardo perez's answer as the best one you my friend you have eclipsed him but letty <laughs> Letty, give it your best shot. Let's go. I'll give it my best shot. But for me, based, baseball is pure nostalgia, right? There's so much history. And and like music, baseball takes you to a certain spot uh, when you're a child, right? You can think about certain players playing. Like when when uh, when Clemens, for me, when, when he was on the mound, that's something that brings me back to when I was six, eight years old, collecting cards with my dad. So anytime I think about uh, Roger Clemens, it takes me back to when I was a young kid again. Uh, that's number one. Number two is it's something that brings people together, especially these days when everything is so polarized. You can go to a game and people, Red Sox fans, Yankee fans are ripping their heads off and they have that in common, right? And that's a good thing. They're hating each other for now two and a half hours rather than four and a half hours just just because of baseball. And then they can go back and talk about this other nonsense that's going on in the country, whatever, you know, whatever's happening around them, right? But they have that in common, this this hatred of their other team uh, <laughs> in common, right? I, I mean, feel like it's just oh something they can do that's, that's harmless, uh, but at the same time, extremely fun. Oh, my goodness. I, you guys got me so jacked up. <laughs> Like, I mean, I'm just coming off of like, Steve, you're just coming off like being on the road and Lenny had a late night doing the, the post game of the Red Sox game. I'm driving all over Florida to get to interviews all over the place. And I'm sitting here and you guys have officially re-energized me to like go and watch the great game of baseball again. So another question, and this is and this isn't uh, as deep, but I've been going around asking various baseball players this because. I had asked uh, uh, Jackson Holiday at the All-Star game, the number one prospect in baseball. I said, hey, you know, what is what is the, the biggest change in your life? He's like, I the biggest change in my life is I sign, I'm asked to sign weird things. And so I started asking people that. I just asked uh, the Tampa Bay Rays pitcher, I said, and he said, somebody asked me to sign his forehead. We've had Marcelo Meyer, who I just talked to, Red Sox prospect, prosthetic limb a toaster welding helmet so you guys are in the entertainment business you have signed autographs before steve i know this isn't as as meaningful a question as the last one i asked but if you have a good one i would love to hear it let's just say things were a little more salacious back in the 80s i'll leave it at that he's a rock star this I, mean. I know i know i know it's like uh, the, the baseball i had a uh, uh, baltimore orioles prospect heston kerstad he's like i signed his sock that so yes that is what we're dealing with with baseball players this is what we're dealing with with rock stars so there use, you your, imagine, use your imagination <laughs> lenny you got anything i mean you signed it you're I'm fair sure pieces i've signed uh kids you know the trapper keepers that they used to have for school i've signed those people have taken apart seats from fenway park and, and i've signed those yeah. i mean nothing weird i mean other than the body part thing I, yeah I, yeah yeah well weird. so this 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 dovetails with no, i feel shame now that I, that I came up with such a base answer and and i will say we we do get often asked to sign things like people's guitars people you know their treasured first guitar or something like that you know and that's pretty heavy when somebody brings up and i say how long have you had the guitar oh 40 years I'm like you want me to 
deface your beautiful guitar with my name okay and i i make sure i sign my name really nicely when i do that <laughs> well, this is great i was I, like i said i was just talking to the red sox pro top prospect marcel meyer and we were talking about signing autographs because kids don't sign cursive anymore so he's like i don't write anything the only <laughs> thing i write is my autograph which is hard to imagine but this is sort of dovetails with what i want to talk steve and lenny about you know, this, these two things that we, we just talked about this. There's so many correlations with music and baseball. There just are so many. Um, I wrote a book, Steve, with Joe Kelly, the pitcher, um, and he interviewed Mark Hoppus. And, uh, and Mark didn't still like love baseball until his late 30s. But as he's talking about like the things that he's going through as an artist, and then how it related to baseball, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is the perfect conversation. And I know that the baseball project started years and years and years ago. And by the way, you had a Letterman appearance before you actually released anything. Is that right, Steve? Right around the same time. Our, our very first gig, very first gig for the band was playing on Letterman. So that's 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 Wow. Yeah. In fact, in fact, that's sort of there's an asterisk, much like there is in a lot of sports things with that, because. Technically, our first gig was about a month before that when Linda Pittman, our drummer, and I got married. We had a party the night before the wedding ceremony, and the baseball project played our real first show at the party. <laughs> That's number one. Then Letterman. <laughs> which, which were you more nervous about, the, the wedding or the or Letterman parents? <laughs> about even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's there, there's so much correlation to it, and and I know so when when you I can sense it when you talk about it, Steve, and and when you when you first started sort of merging the two. What, was it did you have that same thoughts that you just expounded just with us just now i mean did you feel the same way about hey you know what these two things are passions of mine and these two things there's a ton of similarities if you dig deep into it yeah in fact i'd be curious you know because i know lenny is also a guitarist and guitar collector and, and a fan of music so i went out this would compare but you know in when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a sports writer. That was kind of my my biggest goal. That's the the dream I had, and actually was a pretty decent sports writer from like age thirteen to seventeen. Ended up getting to music, and I often think there's a similarity in the lives of a sports writer that a professional athlete that a musician leads. You travel from town to town. You every day is a new adventure. Every day is you know whatever happened the day before no longer matters. You got to kind of rev it up and find a new way to meet the challenges of that day. Would you agree, Lenny? There's kind of similarity between those all these various things. Absolutely. I've, I've talked to multiple musicians that were fans of baseball when they were kids, right? There's that nostalgia factor, and they continue to be into adulthood. And when they tour, they bring their gloves on the road with them. It's just kind of an outlet uh, for them. And uh, I've always had my life, baseball and music, those, those two things were always kind of just always around me from a young age all the way up. And it's almost like, uh, it started with my dad, who was a baseball fan, and and he was my coach growing up. And there was an intense version of my dad when we talk about baseball because he was my coach, and it was an just a real intense guy. But there was also this other side of my father that was really mellow, and that was the music side. So I could talk to my dad about baseball. There was one kind of personality, and I talked to my dad about music, and there was a completely different. So I got this whole picture of my father through both of these uh, two outlets. And uh, I just fell in love with both at a young age. And uh, 
I, I, I wish I could start a band just about music. Like you started a band just about baseball, you know, talking about different <laughs> bands and, and who did what and what tour and this and that. I'm not as talented, but, <laughs> but I, I, I know what you're going through. Like you love baseball. You love the, the, the history, the culture, just like I love the culture of music. I've been reading about it and listening to it and, and diving deep into it ever since I was a kid. So those two things have just been integral parts of my life for so long. If I could ask, who, who, were your, who were your dad's favorite bands? Who were the bands he was turning you on to? Oh, my gosh. My, he took me to see The Grateful Dead when I was five. Right. Uh, I saw the Allman Brothers at a young age. Uh, Hot Tuna, which is uh, an offshoot of Jefferson Airplane. Richard Thompson. Uh, he was talking about Django Reinhardt when I was a kid. Dave Van Rock. Uh, I mean, just so many different guys uh, and girls, uh, for that matter, uh, from such a young age he had a pretty eclectic uh louis armstrong the hot fives the hot sevens back when he was a young young man he used to kind of give me that trail of music there wouldn't be a jerry garcia if there wasn't a, a louis armstrong right yeah. there wouldn't be a, a frank sinatra without a bing crosby you know yeah. all these different lines these veins that kind of just go through and and i love that part of music you know what other people were listening to and why they sound like they do it's because they were listening to something when they were young and uh it's, it's just really fascinating to me and there really is a similarity between, you know, even though there's so many differences as well, but between being a fan, music fan and being a, a fan of a sports fan, a baseball fan, because you can have those discussions. You know, you can say, well, who is better, Willie Mays or Hank Aaron? The same way you could say who is better, Jerry Garcia, Richard Thompson. You know, you can have those. And it's kind of funny. You can go, you can get into those long, fun debate to which there's no real answer. And all the enjoyment is in the debate itself. So, yeah, I, I can I can relate to that. Well. You know, and so this, I have to ask this question after listening to you guys, and I'm going to ask each of you separately. Steve, if you, if you had to choose between being a musician and, or being a star professional baseball player, but as a kid, which would it have been? You know, I, I, I think it would have been the, the, the path I chose, and I'll tell you why. I think, you know, if I, in my, in my, in this, and I will reach out to Lenny on this, in my, Teenage Waltz for MIDI moments, you know, I would essentially imagine myself standing on the stage of Madison Square Garden playing guitar, which I ended up doing. And that was um, exciting and maybe a little nerve wracking. Then I would imagine being on the mound pitching in the World Series. And I'll tell you what always ruined that fantasy is the idea of having a line drive hit back up the middle right out. And I was like, I wouldn't know the first thing to I get my head knocked off. <laughs> Worst thing that happened to me on stage is maybe I don't know maybe I dropped my guitar or forget how to play a chord or something like that. But man, I I'd be terrified to do what you used to do. <laughs> fall back up the middle. How how can you deal with that, Lenny? I, and I've had that happen. Uh, Josh Hamilton hit the line drive back at me when I was in Oakland. I think he was with Texas, maybe line drive right at my forearm, and it bounced off my forearm, hit me in my leg, and I had two identical size bruises. So it does happen. That is a, that is a legitimate. Yeah. I think so, I'll take the choice. I, I, I'll, I'll take the path I chose. <laughs> all right, Lenny, your turn. I mean, which is yeah, it? I, I would have to agree. I would take the path that I chose only because if I were to look back uh, with, with the talent level that I had, I was always the the I was never the hardest thrower on my team, right? I think I squeezed the most juice out of the lemon, so to speak, to get to the level that I got. You know, I, I wasn't the most talented guy, so I had to work my tail off to get there. And if I look back and say, I wish I took a different path, I feel like that would just be kind of spitting on everything and everybody that kind of helped me get to where I needed to go. Uh, and it was a lot of people. Uh, so I would take the same path. And I, with that said, I have played on stage and 
I took the right path. Let's just put it that well, way. Okay. Well, but okay. Listen, you you may not be able to strike out the best of the best. You know, to reach at that level and as a guitarist, as a person on stage. But I want to get the feeling. Like I want to get Lenny. Tell me about the feeling that you had to be able to perform. Like obviously, it wasn't Madison Square Garden, like Steve. But anytime you get in front of an audience, it must be a cool. What was that feeling compared to the feeling of pitching in a game? Well, I, uh, my the biggest crowd I've played in front of was probably at the Paradise, and I'm a, Steve. You played there in Boston. Sure, sure. Uh, it's it's a decent couple thousand, I'm guessing. And uh, I've played it, geez, so many so many times now since 2005 with the Hot Stove Pool Music, which Steve, you, you guys played yeah. that, yeah. and it's gotten better throughout the years. Back in 2005, my first year, it was complete deer in the headlights. I was shaking. Uh, I don't know if they even plugged my guitar in at the time. Uh, it was just, it was nerve wracking. Right. But, uh, every time since it's gotten a little bit better, the more reps you get, the better you get, the more comfortable you get. And, uh, it's, uh, it's gotten better, put it that way. But, uh, but there's, there's still some nerves. There's absolutely some nerves. There's a reason why they put maybe five or six guitarists on stage during these benefit concerts when you get a, <laughs> there. So a lot of trees, we like a lot of trees to hide behind. We like to say, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I, you know, I am, of course, watch a lot of baseball, and I and I and I am always amazed how ball player can. Well, for example, the thing that that you see all the time now, where ball players have are mic'd up and and talking during a game. It's like, how can he do that? How can he be doing commentary and being interviewed during the game, always trying to play a game? But I realize as a musician, look, when I'm on stage. I hear everything each of my bandmates are playing at all times. I see the audience. I see, I saw Lenny when I was playing at, at the, my show in Boston last month. You know, I, I see everybody out there. I, I hear things happening on stage. I, I'm, you know, I'm aware of everything on the field per se, you know, on stage. And I guess it must be the same as being an athlete. Like you just have that ease and awareness of your environment that you've had because you've done it your whole life. Right. Absolutely. There's always somewhere to go on the field. Once the ball's hit, you, if you're standing in the same spot, you're doing it wrong, right? So you've got different scenarios in your head. If the ball's hit here, I'm traveling this way. If the ball's hit in this direction, I'm going this direction. That's all going on uh, simultaneously with, okay, what pitch am I about to throw? Why am I about to throw that? What did he do last time? You know, I'm trying to spot it up. And then you have to execute, which is difficult enough. So, yeah, situational awareness being able to say, okay, I'm going to throw a slider in on him, which means he might pull it this direction. So I need to go do this afterwards. Does it happen every time? Absolutely not. But you have to be ready on a dime. Steve, have and you ever... I'm sorry, that's, go ahead. Yeah, that's one thing about music, too, is, you you know, in fact, that was what I most enjoy about playing live is not the same thing happening the same way every night, but it's when something different happens. So if if... You know, my bandmate of Peter or Scott play a guitar line in a different way, or if Linda plays a fill in a different spot, and I say, "Well, I didn't see that coming. What am I going to do now?" And I react to it. That's when it gets fun. So I imagine there's a similarity in in sports, in being an athlete, and being a musician in that way, where you are looking forward to the things that are going to shake you and you know throw you off guard for a second, because that's when you get to show what you can do. I, I have a, I have a, I think a really good music slash baseball correlation question in a second. But Steve, I have to ask, you have you must have thrown out a first pitch or two, right? Yeah, I did throw off the mound at a Wrigley Field um, in a, uh, a, a summer a, a game back in uh, 2014, I think. And yes, that's about the most terrified I've ever been. Okay, oh. that's what I wanted to ask, right? I mean, yeah. so you said Madison Square Garden, like yeah. right, understandably, maybe a little bit nervous. On the mound at Wrigley Field, Wrigley Field, you're more nervous. 
I don't get nervous when I play. Honestly, I played to sixty thousand people at festivals and in New York. I played, you know, to Glastonbury, Roskilde, to, to play guys, all those other things. I do not ever, really, almost ever, never get nervous playing music. Yes, I got very, very nervous, and I, I warmed up for about three months before that. And I was like, first of all, sixty feet six inches is really far. <laughs> Bloody, is that true? I don't know. Farther than that, it seems. That's a long ways. <laughs> I like I, it is on YouTube. I'm I, I actually threw a very high strike. I think it might have been a strike to Aaron Judge when I threw it was a little bit of an ephus, but it made it over the plate. And I, I believe me, I did not want to bounce the ball. And yes, I threw off the mound. And my favorite part of the story is is that the catch my catcher was a Cubs rookie who just come up named DJ LeMahieu. So I can. Oh. So I threw. That's my one baseball moment. I threw a, a very high strike to DJ Lemayu. <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Bloody, you ever thrown out a first pitch? <laughs> Back uh, at my 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 college when I was playing college, my local little league team had me throw one. And again, you think I wouldn't be nervous, but I was nervous, right? Because I'm oh. the type of guy where I've got to get loose. Uh, I'm one of those, I don't know if it's rare, but I'm one of those pitchers where if I don't throw it hard, I kind of don't know where it's going. If I take anything off, I'm the guy that throws it three rows deep to first base. You know, so if I pick up a bunt, I can't really lob it to first base. So for me to actually hit my spot, there's got to be a a certain gear that I've got to be in when I throw it. So you obviously don't want to do that throwing the first pitch at a baseball game because you're not loose. You can hurt yourself. Who knows who's catching the ball? So uh, I threw. I, I, it was a high strike, and yeah. it was um, not. Made, fi- it was, was not nervous. fifty. It was not fifty cent. It was not Gary Delabody. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. No. 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 It was. Uh, we had a uh, DB Sweeney. He did it this year, and, and I've never seen like the intensity of. I'm gonna throw a slider. I'm gonna throw a slider. I'm gonna throw a slider. I threw a slider. You know, it's like it was such a great. Oh. <laughs> 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 but uh, so I, I want to ask about the evolution of of each of these things, right? So we know the baseball evolution, and, and Steve and Lenny, I want to get your both your thoughts on just as we sit here toward the end of the year, where have we landed in this? The, the We haven't had a year in baseball, maybe in the history of baseball, certainly in our lifetimes, that things have changed so much. So as we sit there, has it has it been what we hoped, what we thought? But also, Steve, and I'm I'm generally interested, and in, I don't know the answer to this: the evolution of music. Like, is there is there that much of an evolution? Has there been, let's say, in the last ten years, for the better, for the worse, in in terms of equipment, in terms of approach, in terms of expectations? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I'd be just happy to talk about the, the talk about baseball and answer the first part of the question. Yeah. And maybe I'll be more to say about that, but this is where a place where there, it's not totally analogous because I think, you know, and I hope Lenny will correct me on this if I'm wrong, but in 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 baseball, being an athlete, you're trying to achieve a certain goal. You want to be the best of what you do. You want to have the best numbers. You want to you want to be on a winning team. You want to give your your what you can. In music, it's also vague and 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 you know who is the best what is the best you really can't say it's not who sells the best it's not who gets the best review in rolling stone it's just up to each person so you know when people say well what's it like to be in the music business i say i'm not in the music business i'm a musician i just play music and what i do is to make myself is try to make 
records, play songs, play shows, write songs that make me happy. And so what I'm doing is really no different than what Django Reinhardt or Bing Crosby or, 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 or Hank Williams or anybody did almost 100 years ago. I'm just trying to find the kernel of truth, the bit of enjoyment for myself and maybe for my listeners each time I go out there. So it's, it's really, I guess what I'm trying to say is there is no evolution. Maybe Lenny, maybe Lenny, you'd say the same about baseball. Maybe this is a continuous thread to history, no matter how things have changed over the years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, as far as music, there's a lot of great music out there. And I've I've never been the guy that that listens to the charts, so to speak. You know, whatever's in the top 40 or whatever, that's what I'm listening to. It's like the stuff I typically like is uh, bands that a lot of people haven't heard of. And I really get off on telling people about a different band that I've just listened to. I've just discovered this different band or singers, songwriter, whatever. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're out there. But for me, baseball... Uh, I always loved the game and I always knew that I wanted to go pro. Even when I was in elementary school, I used to walk to the bus stop and pick up rocks. It was a big Oak tree. And I was this a little bit OCD. So I would pick up rocks and I would say, okay, if I can hit this tree, I'm going to make it to the big leagues. And I would stand there almost missing my bus half the time trying to hit this tree because I knew if I didn't hit it, like, like that dream would just vanish for some reason, you know? So little me out there just trying to hit that tree it was a it was a fantasy, and I I never dreamed that it would actually come true. But I had a goal. I worked my tail off, and I never did it for anything other than it was fun. You know what yeah. I mean? I just love going out there and playing the game, playing with my friends, playing against them, and competing. You know, going out there and and doing it for the love of the game. I mean, although that's cliche and kind of corny. Uh, my least favorite baseball movie, by oh. the way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm offending anybody. <laughs> Clear, clear the mechanism. Yes. Yeah, so. Nobody says that. Come on. No. Nobody says the mechanism. Uh, you always wanted to be a pitcher. I always, well, I was left-handed and I wasn't the quickest kid. So I was either pitching or first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never really the outfield because I wasn't very fast. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to have a couple mentors starting in middle school, early high school that said, oh, you're left-handed. Let's here, hold the ball this way. Put your feet right on these two seams, and let's see if you can make a move. And it did. And uh, I, I went from five nine to six foot between eighth and ninth grade. That helped a little bit. People started to take notice. I gained an inch every year there. I made it to six four because, uh, you know, height, projectability, left handed, it all kind of mixed together. I, I started to throw the ball a little harder than everybody else in high school. Once I got to college, I was whoop, right back down. But uh, yeah, I, I just love the game. I love competing, and I and. Ever since I can remember. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, let's, so Steve, when, when you talk about, when we talk about the, the love of, of baseball and love of, 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 I think there is a correlation for what you were talking about, about how ultimately like with, with music, it's the same as it was a hundred years ago. They're doing it for the same, you're, you are doing it for the same reason. I think at the heart of it, they're still doing it for the same reason in this day and age of baseball. And also I always find it fascinating that the measurements of a baseball field 
haven't changed and the athletes obviously have and you still have every single day plays you know like bang bang plays no matter what the physical capabilities of the human beings the the measurements that those random measurements have remained the same this amazes me but that's no to hear they're there today's baseball Steve. Is it what you had hoped it would be? Has it made you fall in love with it more? Has it turned you off a little bit because maybe it's too quick? How how is your how do you feel about 2023 baseball right now? That's a good question, and I'll preface by saying, going back to your last que- your last question, I do like all the rule changes. I think they've been great, and I'm curious to hear what Lenny thinks about that. But I think there's a song on the new baseball project record that I wrote called "Having Fun." And the basic premise I have in this song is, well, the chorus is, when did it get so serious? And when I grew up as a baseball fan, primarily in the 70s, I guess is when I came of age loving baseball, players are nuts. They're bonkers. They, had, they were oversized personalities. They were arrogant. They were silly. They they were, you know, they all those things. And everybody was a, was a personality. And I felt that in recent years, um, Maybe, you know, with, with analytics, with more money being invested in the game, with more more at stake, things got more cookie cutter and boring. Having said that, it seems like in the last few years, two or three years, a lot of the young players are really exciting to watch and really fun and have a bit of swagger. So I'm feeling like we're maybe getting back to an age where you can have a good time and, you know, be entertained. And, you know, for example, and again, I'll be curious what Lenny thinks about this. The bat flip. I'm fine with the bat flip. I'm fine with anything. I'm fine with players showing off a little bit, you know, whatever. That makes it, it's entertainment. At the end of the day, you know, if I play my solo tonight twice as past as tomorrow night, it doesn't matter. It matters if people have a good time getting entertained. I think in baseball, the same thing. Of course you want to win. And there's no winning and losing in in a gig. There isn't a game. But have some fun while you're at it. It's a great point. And, and, I think that, and so let me ask you real quick about, so when I showed up to spring training and there was a pitch clock and I couldn't tell my stories or my stories kept getting like cut off because, oh my goodness, this is going by at seemingly rapid fire. But then you realize, oh, well, that's okay. Like I can deal with two and a half hours. Yeah. You know, we might not be, because I think guys, what this does, a Great, and I've asked this about to a ton of guys. The best fit of sporting event to go to, I think, is undeniably baseball. Manfred said this in the book: "It's undeniably baseball because you're able to talk about what's going on. You're able to socialize with that person, and then something happens. Boom, 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 boom. Right? So, and we're still able to do that. It's not like this is like an hour game. It's not." If you go to a basketball or a football or a hockey game, you sit down, you're like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Baseball still can be that way. It's just a little bit quicker. I don't know if you guys agree or not. Yeah, uh, for me, you know, I found a few years ago, I could get up and make myself a sandwich, get a cup of coffee, and we would be the same inning, possibly the same at bat. <laughs> now, you know, there's an inning later, there's a guy on second and third now, and I'm like, oh, what did I miss? Something happened, some, some, something exciting happened, right? And I like that, a little bit faster pace, there's a little bit less standing around. Uh, some pitchers didn't need it, some obviously did. You know, I played the minor leagues with the Mets prior to the Red Sox. Uh, Steve Traxel was was there, I guess, and he was just a human rain delay. He <laughs> was just, I mean, like, let's go, just get rid of the baseball. So he's one of those guys that needed just a little push in the right direction as far as getting rid of it. Um, so so I do love the pace of play. Uh, I do love the excitement. 
Now, player Lenny probably wouldn't have liked to get a bat flip, right? If, if a guy had a bomb, <laughs> bat flip or whatever. But now I'm looking back and, and everybody's kind of doing it. They're not taking, you, you should take it personal. Back then, I probably would have, to be completely honest. <laughs> now, just as a fan, not, not playing anymore, I'm watching it. And there's a lot of young players, like you said, that are doing some exciting things. But I do miss the Lenny Randalls of the day, though, when, you know, a, a, a bunt down the third baseline, you're not going to see by trying to blow it foul, right? <laughs> or or Lenny, Lenny Randall got brushed back. And they intentionally bunted a ball down the first baseline so he could run the pitcher over. You know? <laughs> talk about personality. Talk about grit. Talk about must see TV. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a good player. By the way, good good singer too. You're kidding! I didn't know that. He made a record. Yes, and, and look oh, it up. He, so there that's you go. It. He's searching. Uh, <laughs> well, very- what's 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 the longest um, what's the longest concert show that you guys have ever been to? The longest one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mean I, I know Lenny's gonna say Grateful Dead. I can't imagine it'd be anything. Be, right? like, five, five, five years old. They, they played for what four, five, six hours, and that's the first set. I mean, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I mean, and the reason I asked that is because I remember back even when these we had routinely we had four hour games. Some players would say, "Listen, if you're in a movie, if you're in a good show, who cares how long it is, right?" Now we aren't always having we aren't always privy to a great baseball game, but still, if you're enjoying yourself, a lot of times, all right, that's cool, it's okay. I mean, Steve, I don't know if you feel the same way or not. I'm, I'm trying to imagine if the Grateful Dead would have had a, would have had a tuning clock where they could only tune up for a certain amount of seconds between songs. Like, okay, you know, if you don't if, if you don't get back in tune in 30 seconds, the song goes on without you. <laughs> I think they were tuning when they did the drums, right? They did the drums for, you know, space. space. I think they were just tuning, right? I love that. I love that. Rob, my my second game in the booth, I was there in OB in 2017. We were facing the Blue Jays. I think it was a four to two. I think it was a win for the Red Sox, but it was 19 innings and six hours long. I remember that. That, that's a bit much. And we were running out of uh, things to talk about. We ordered pizza. I had to start an inning by myself because OB had to go to the bathroom. Oh. So so there is there is a uh Yeah. No, it's, it's, I, I've I've been in that I've been in those shoes of doing the broadcast and you're looking you're looking and you're looking like any, uh, what? This is how long? This is uh, and then in the break you always turn to your broadcast partner and you're like, Really? Really? <laughs> so uh so you guys have been very generous with your time. Steve, I just want to ask you a couple quick baseball questions. Baseball Project, helping the world of baseball, helping the world of music, and helping us all um, enjoy and understand like the, the awesomeness of both. But I want to ask about baseball fandom, and it's the simple one. When you go to a game, do you bring, bring your glove and or keep score? I do neither, and I had them. I did both when I, when I was when I was a kid, but I, I do neither at this point. Okay, oh, that's that, and, and, Letty, and, Letty, Letty. Letty brings his glove still every every single game. Really? Yeah. Uh, I I I have though at a concert taking taking notes though. That's like the equivalent, right? I'm looking at someone on stage play a song, and I want to learn that song. I will take notes. I've Is that, that true? Before. Did you really? I've oh, taken wow. notes. My wow. my own little notepad. I've taken notes before. 
Wow. I, well, I will, Lenny, like, I will say, one of my favorite moments ever with the baseball project is we played a, um, I guess it was, a, it was a baseball convention type thing in, um, oh, in Pennsylvania, I'm forgetting the city, and an attendee at the convention and pitching an exhibition game the day after our gig was Bill Lee. He was probably like 70 at the time, 65, 70. And he stood in front of us the entire show and took notes furiously during every one of our songs. And between songs, we'd have something to say about what we just sang about. He'd say, well, let me tell you about Reggie Jackson. It's like, let me tell you. He had, he was so entertaining. He was just scribbling during every song. <laughs> I love that. Um, two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago. Incredible. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> No, he, Bill, like, yeah, and, like, it's, he's hooked on with the Savannah Bananas, and, and I mean, all of this. It's, there's so many great things that we're talking about. I mean, we try to be part of this, right? Baseballs are boring, but the Savannah Bananas, the baseball project, like all of this. It's this is. It seems to me that more people are understanding that this isn't just like just complaining about a long season, a long game. There is so, and maybe a lot of that social media. I don't know. I mean, social media makes it fun too, but yeah. So, uh, speaking of making it fun, you're you have Steve. You're in the best named fantasy league in the history of fantasy leagues. Oscar Gamble's Afro, correct? Yep, yep, that's right. Okay. Going now. Yeah. Uh, so, first of all, who is going to win it this year? Who is? Uh, are uh-huh. you in good position? Every year, Scott McCoy, my bandmate, he wins every single year. He also makes about quadruple the moves of anybody else. We'll we'll, we'll come back from a gig like you know a long a long gig after a long drive. It's four in the morning. I'm just just going to bed, and I'll wake up the next morning and see the sky was up till six a.m. making moves. So he works hard. He is he is he is the the you know the the um, the fifties Yankees, whatever you want to say of that of our, our league. I'll just hope to finish second. And it's it's a good it's a good musical league. We got um Scott, well Scott and Mike. McCoy and Mike Mills from the Baseball Project, but also Stephen Malcolmus from Pavement, Ira Kaplan from Yoa Tango, Steve Berlin from Los Lobos, and some other um, music business type guys. So it's it's and then late tasting. We all take it very seriously. Really? Have you ever won? You you must have won, right? Uh, never. Oh, best I've done oh. a second. Best I've done a second. Oh, I'm man. geeking out right now. I'm geeking out listening to everybody on this. Uh... It's tough. Uh... <laughs> Lenny, do you, do, you, Lenny, do you play fantasy baseball at all? I don't. I don't. I, uh, I I played fantasy football one time, and I don't know the first thing about football. Somebody wrote me in. I think I actually did pretty well. Pure luck, pure luck. But yeah. Well, well Steve, who uh, who was the pick that you made? Because we all come away with like, I nailed that draft. I'm mean, just gonna. Who was the pick that you remember making? Of like that guy, I stole that guy on the roster this year. Let's say here's the, here's the reason why I'm why I'm in, why I'm struggling for second place right now. Is I picked up Bell and I drafted Bellinger, thinking it was a good move, and sometime mid-April decided, oh, that wasn't a good move, and I dumped him. Oh, oh, that hurt. <laughs> and that's that hurt. why I'm in second place. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, I well, have one. I yeah. got to get this in. If yeah, you, if yeah. I, allow me. So yeah. I want to know, Steve, if you could pick any band in any year or any baseball game in any year to go attend live. What would you pick? That's a great question. I'm going to fire that back at you after I answer. It would be without question um, seeing The Who around 1968, sort of in that pre-Woodstock, not quite live at least, but that era when they were just turning into the ferocious band they became, say, film of The Who, Fillmore East, 1968. Baseball game, any game Sandy Koufax pitched. 
<laughs> love it. Love it. What about you? Oof. Uh, I would, I would want to see the Beatles play. I want to, I, I would just because they're the Beatles. I, I'd love to see the Beatles play. And I would like to see a Clemens, a Clemens first 20 game strikeout. Right. Uh, you know yeah. what? My, my answer is the, um, it would be Bob Gibson. I would love to see him pitch because I just feel like it's something could, great would happen that day. And uh, I would love to see the baseball project. That's what I would. That's my, there, there you go. So that's true. That's doable. Uh, all right, well, there you go. So, the second half. Uh, right, well, guys, thanks so much. This was such a blast. And uh, and uh, let's just keep the conversation going. And uh, anything I can do for either one of you, just let me know. I really enjoyed it. Really, really great talk, talking to both of you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Great seeing you both. Yeah. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.